Welcome to the Social Sunshine Podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Crossan, and I'm here to help you build a brand, make an impact, and have some fun on social media. I'm the owner of Fun Love Media, a social media management and content creation agency in Houston, Texas. I'm a wife, a mom of two, and when I'm not working or with my family, you can find me on my Peloton bike, dancing in my Instagram stories, or cuddled up with wine watching The Real Housewives. Please know that this show could include some grown-up language here or there. Let's get started. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Social Sunshine Podcast, episode 33. I am your host, Brittany Crossan. Welcome to the show. Welcome back if you've been here before. Thank you, thank you, thank you for coming back. If you've been here a lot, thank you even extra. (laughs) Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for following on social and commenting and liking. and, And thank you for the awesome iTunes reviews, you guys. Oh my gosh. Okay, speaking of iTunes reviews, let's just start the show with some good news. All right. I've got a really great new review from uh, Shawnee. I'm going to read it right now. I'm sorry if I'm not saying your name right. Oh my God, please forgive me. All right. Um, it's about episode 31 with Kimberly Weber. Um, Shawnee says, it was so informative. It had my undivided attention the whole time. Loved this episode very much. Thank you so much for the great iTunes review. If you haven't left a review on iTunes and you listen to this show on iTunes or on Apple device, please go leave a review. I would truly, truly appreciate it. Now, if you have never been here before, welcome. Welcome to the party. <laughs> um, the Social Sunshine Podcast is here to help you build a brand, make an impact, and have some fun with social media. Today's show is jam-packed with good stuff. I have a great guest, Eric Clark. We will get to Eric in just a little bit. He shared so much cool stuff. You guys are seriously in for a treat with Eric. But first of all, I have a few things I want to I want to chat with you guys about. First of all, just a life update. Um, you know, it is summer break, as we have talked about in recent episodes, which is a nice relief because we do not have um, a lot of schoolwork to do. And, you know, but the thing is, is like, even though there's not a lot of schoolwork to do, you know, business isn't any different. I'm a business owner, as you know. Um, and if you're listening to the show, you are probably a business owner. And it's, um, you know, the show must go on when it comes to that sort of thing. And the kiddos are still here every day all day. So you know what? I got to say, I definitely let them have a lot of screen time. They do. They like right now in the other room, my son is like playing video games with his friends on video chats. Like, like they're all doing it together at the same. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the deal is with that, but you know what? He's getting some socialization, right? (laughs) That's the positive. But I gotta say mom of the year award for me is that I have made them do a little bit of learning. Yes, I have. Thank you very much. We did some flashcards one time. We did like a math app on the iPad. My daughter did a reading app on the iPad. I've made them do some drawing and go outside and play a little bit. So, you know, I'm trying my best, people. Trying my best. But you know, they do get their share, their fair share of screen time. That's just the honest to God truth. But it's been really good. You know, I'm really thankful um, for our health, for our happiness, for our home. I truly am. I know, I mean, in all seriousness, it's been it's been a hell of a year 2020 has, as we all know. And I always, always make sure to um, feel gratitude and to express gratitude. And my husband and I try and teach our kids we are teaching our kids, you know, about gratitude and what it means to truly feel thankful for your life and what you have. So 
it's been a heck of a year, but we're, we're definitely doing our best. And I hope that you are too. Um, as far as fun summer stuff, unfortunately we, we had to cancel our trip that was supposed to happen, um, a few weeks ago, but, um, but we have gotten to have some Fridays at the pool. So we are lucky enough to be members of a country club where there's a private pool and there are limited people allowed at the pool. So you can go to this, it's a huge pool and you can go and it's not crowded. There's not tons of people. It's really, really nice. So, um, so we've definitely been lucky to get to go and spend some Fridays there and have some fun and swim and be in the sun. I feel like that's really good for us, especially after everybody's spending so much time indoors, you know, ever since, um, like March. So yeah. So Fridays at the pool are really good. I'm thankful for that. We're having, we're doing good. Things are good. It's busy. It's a little crazy, you know, but things are good. TikTok is rocking. TikTok is rocking. It's super fun, you guys. If you haven't jumped on the TikTok train, if nothing else, to simply be an audience member and watch the madness, I highly recommend it. Look me up. Find me, Brittany Crossan, on TikTok. I'm having a great time there with my um, Peloton tread and bike dancing videos, my regular dancing videos, silly comedy stuff, you know, whatever, whatever. It's just a really fun way to get out there on social media and entertain and inspire and interact with people. So I'm loving that. Um, okay. Moving on to the first order of business. I want to, um, chat with you guys for a second about content creation just for a few minutes real, really quick, because this is something I've, I've been asked for honestly for years, um, from people you know, people, a lot of business owners seem to struggle with content creation and having enough stuff to post on social media. I totally get it because um, for a while that was a, that was a struggle for me as well. And I had to really get into a groove and get better at creating content and get a little bit more organized and know what I need and what I don't need and all that stuff. So my, my biggest tip when it comes to creating content to share online, to share on social media is batching. All right. So what this means is that you would literally like you would actually pick a period of time where for that period of time all you're doing is creating some content and you're just doing as much as you can in that time period. Okay? So for example, um like if photos are are a big thing that you need for your social media and your online marketing for your business or brand, um, then you want to have like a photo photo shoot day or a photo shoot half day or two hours or whatever. I mean, really, even if it's just two hours, if you're prepared, hell, even if it's one hour, what am I talking about? You can get a shitload of pictures in one hour, right? So, um, let, let me use this as an example because it's, it's a, it's a great example because a lot of people do need pictures. So let's say I was going to batch some photos, uh, to, to use online. I would, of course, prepare myself, <laughs> make sure that I look the way that I want to look. Um, for me, that's a bit labor intensive. That means that I have to shower after my workout. It means I have to do my hair, do my makeup. Oh my God, it's so tiring just talking about it. But it's got to happen sometimes. So I would make myself look cute. So you do what you need to do to make yourself look the way you want to look. And and I would make sure it was on a day where there's good sunlight, 
um, because you're going to want to have natural sunlight if you can for your photos. That's just, it always looks a little bit better, um, especially if you're not a professional photographer, which most of us are not. Um, it's nice to have some, some natural light. So you want it to be a mostly sunny day um, or just maybe like a little partly cloudy so that you can actually set yourself up facing a window. So if you have a nice, lovely room in your home or a couple of rooms in your home that you can use um, that have some great windows in them, you want to face the window when you're when you're taking the photos um, so that that natural light is shining onto you. You can obviously do this outdoors as well, and outdoor photos can look really, really beautiful too with the natural light, but you just want to make sure there's not a lot of harsh sunlight um, creating shadows, making you squint all that stuff. But anyway, you get it all set up. You got, you're looking good. You're feeling good. You, you've got your, your smartphone. Maybe you have a little tripod or something. Maybe you don't, whatever. And you get yourself all set up and you have like, I would say like at least three different outfit changes or just different shirts. And you just start going to town with the photos. And I bet you in one hour, you could get just tons Tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of photos in different rooms in your house when you're doing different things. Maybe you're with your computer. Maybe you have a different prop. Maybe you're you're with your kids if that's kind of like your brand, whatever, and get a crap load of photos and boom, look at that. You just, you just did so much in like an hour or two and you changed your shirt or your clothes a few times so that way you kind of have some variety and you can have photos for the next, oh shit, you could use those for months, right? So that's just an example of how you can batch content creation that can, you can do the same thing for videos. You can do the same thing for writing. If you need to write things out, if you need to write blog posts, even just social media captions, um, if you need to record something with, you know, audio, anything. So I, I just definitely recommend setting aside some time because when you have the media portion of what you want to share. So what I mean by that is like when you have the media, when you have the photos, when you have the videos, when you have the audio, when you have the the, the written word, the graphics that you made on Canva, whatever, when you have all of that already done and saved in your phone, you're a step ahead. I mean, that's amazing to already have that on hand, right? So that's my biggest, I mean, I know it can sound overwhelming if you're not used to this sort of thing, but don't don't let it overwhelm you. Just set aside a little time, go for it and batch out some freaking content. I hope that's helpful, you guys. Speaking of helpful, let me go ahead and announce that um, my course has reopened. Social Media Setup Fundamentals reopens Monday, June 22nd, 2020. So if you are listening to this episode on the day that it released, it's open today. (laughs) Um, This course is really, really great if you want to start using social media for business or if you want kind of like a restart or some sort of help. Maybe you've been trying to use social media for your business, but it's not quite going the way that you wanted it to go, or you're having some sort of struggle or you're confused or you're just simply overwhelmed. Maybe this is a really great fundamentals course and it is not complicated. It is not difficult to understand. And you can get through the whole course in like 30 minutes for sure. Um, it's, basically by the end of the course, this is what you're going to know. By the end of the course, you are going to know what social media platform you should be on for for you, what's best for you. Okay. You're going to know how to get a great profile picture. You're going to know how to create a really great cover image for the, for the social media platforms that require that. And you're going to know what you should and should not put in your social media bios. It's going to go over all those basics so that you're set up really solid. So even if you're already on social media, but you're just not feeling sure about it, 
definitely grab this course. The cool news, the coolest news out of this whole thing is that it's only $38. 38 damn dollars. That's it. There's no strings attached. Like there's no catch. It's 38 bucks. You get the course. You also get to be a member in the private Facebook group where for three weeks in a row, I'm going to do a live training every single week on each section of the course. So you're going to get three live trainings for three weeks from me. And that's going to be a way for you to kind of see me elaborate more on, on each section of the course and really explain it in more detail to you and talk it out. And also I will answer your questions. All of this is included for 38 bucks. All right. It's seriously a steal. So, um, it's open, it's open now. It's going to be open for a limited time. So if you want to go ahead and grab that course, head to brittanycrossoncom slash small biz social school. It's brittanycrossoncom slash small biz social school. Okay, and one more thing to announce before we get to my interview with Eric Clark, and this is very exciting for me. Look, it may not be as exciting for you, and I get that because you know how that goes. Like, there's online marketers where they'll be like, huge announcement, our new eye cream is available, yes! (laughs) And you're like, really? Was that a huge life-changing announcement? I don't think so. So I get it. There's a lot of hype, okay? And I, I But I am kind of hyping it up because it is a big announcement for me. I'm very excited, and it's a big announcement for you if you are a part of this awesome community that I'm about to be creating. So the announcement is that I am finally going to be opening up a monthly membership for small business owners and entrepreneurs to get ongoing month after month after month after month, uh, training, support, help, coaching with social media and online marketing for their businesses on July 14th. Finally doing it. It's something that I've been talking about for a long time. I've been asking you guys, if if you follow me on social, you have seen me asking you, is this helpful? These are the ideas. This is what I'm planning, blah, blah, blah. And I've gotten a lot of good feedback from you guys. And I really appreciate that because I really am trying to create it for you. Like I know you guys have a lot of questions. I get, I get messages a lot from people about social media. And I really, I really and truly want to try and answer everybody's question the best I can, um, for free on the messenger. But bottom line is that that's just not, that's not always possible. There's only one of me. And in order to help more people and, um, and have fun with more people and have a little, a little community of our own, this was really the best answer. I really enjoy working with, my clients that I have, my my one-on-one consulting clients, and also my my full service, you know, social media clients that I have. I have a few of those left. Um, I really do enjoy that a lot, but you know, there's only so many hours in the day. And um, even with now having an assistant, which yay, I'm so excited. I have an assistant, side note. Um, there's still only so many hours in the day, right? So a membership allows me to help more people and it's going to allow you as the business owner to get this ongoing help that like somebody would get from me, say as one of my one-on-one clients at a fraction of the cost. I'm talking literally a fraction. So I don't know if you're, you're familiar or not, but the services that I offer, like my full service packages start at like 600 bucks a month. And, and consulting packages start at, uh, uh, what, three or $400 a month. You know, it's not, it's not, um, 
it's not cheap to get that kind of like one-on-one focused attention. And I understand that not small, not all small business owners have that kind of a budget. I grew up in a family business, as you probably know. And I understand we went through times, I mean, I worked there forever and we went through times that were sometimes really tight and every penny mattered. And I, I recognize that, especially in the first five, maybe even five to 10 years of some businesses. Um, you know, you really have to watch your budget. So the fact that you're going to get access to, to me and to my, um, expert professional friends that are going to make appearances in the, in the group and all these wonderful things for a fraction of the monthly price is just, well, it's just the best damn news I could give you in a long damn time. Okay. (laughs) So I hope you're as excited as me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Thank you for the applause. I didn't realize you'd be so excited. Gosh. Um, <laughs> okay, you guys. <laughs> so if you want to stay tuned um, to be one of the first members in the group, uh, definitely, uh, if you're not already subscribed to my emails, you've got to subscribe to my emails. You've got to go to BrittanyCrossin.com, click on join email um, in the menu so that you can get a an email from me every Monday that tells you what's going on. It's going to tell you exactly about the membership that opens on July 14th and um, how you sign up. Join the group. It's going to be the coolest, coolest gang you've ever been in. All right. According to my timer here, you guys have listened to me talk for 17 minutes. So I'm going to stop doing that and I'm going to um, move us forward so that you guys can hear this interview. So Eric Clark is, I mean, he's like a Renaissance man. He's he's a true entrepreneur. You know, a, a true entrepreneur has, has done a lot of stuff, right? All kinds of cool businesses and experiences and all kinds of cool skills. And that's exactly what Eric is all about. He's a digital marketer. He's actually a podcast host of his own podcast that's actually hunting related, which is interesting because my husband is a hunter. And so that was a very exciting moment for my husband to know that I was interviewing another hunter. Um, and he's also an app creator, which I thought was super fascinating. So we talked about the the process of making an app. Um, so yeah, definitely stay tuned because coming up next is my chat with Eric Clark. So I want to talk to you real quick about Canva. So as small business owners, most of us are not like super fancy graphic designers, and it's really not easy to learn complicated software. So that's where Canva comes in because we all need to make social media posts. We all need to make some graphics. We all need some cover photos, some flyers, some digital art, right? And Canva makes that easy. Canva Pro starts at only $9.95 a month, which is actually a steal, but you can try it for free for 30 days and support the podcast. So all you've got to do is go to socialsunshinepodcast.com slash try Canva Pro. That's socialsunshinepodcast.com slash try Canva Pro. I hope you love it. Today's guest is a technology consultant, co-founder of Base Layer Media, and founder of Where to Hunt the Podcast and Where to Hunt the App. He lives in Wisconsin with his wife, and he's a dad to a dog, two cats, and two children. And some fun facts about him. He was in the movie Aquila and the Bee. He jumped into a volcano 
and not necessarily fun, but definitely interesting. He was homeless for a chunk of time when he was younger. Wow. Okay. Welcome to the show, Eric Clark. Hey, thanks so much. Happy to be here. Well, thank you. On the side of the on the conversation, so I'm excited. Right. Yes, you guys. So yeah, Eric has his own podcast. So he was kind of excited to just be able to be the guest and just chill and talk. (laughs) So I'm happy to have you, and I know your time's valuable, and I appreciate it. I do appreciate you being here so much. Um, But I got to ask you some questions about these fun facts here, real quick, before we dive into our main conversation. Okay. So the movie thing, we share that. I was an actor for years. So were you actually an actor or were you just there for fun or what? I was an extra at the time I was in the Marine Corps and I was in 29 Palms where I was stationed for comm school. And uh, they had like, you know, some, I can't, I don't remember what the program was, but they just essentially had a program to help get you off base and, you know, stop being bored. So one of the things was to be a movie extra and the movie was Aquila and the Bee. And the funny thing is the night before we were at the movie theater on base watching Assault on Precinct 13, which starred Lawrence Fishburne as this ultra bad guy. And he was a scary <laughs> bad guy. He was killing people in the movie. And then the next day I see him on set in person. I got to shake his hand and meet him. And, uh, I was like, dude, yesterday you were killing people. <laughs> and today you're a dad. This is so confusing for me. And he's he a very big man. So it was, it was really cool. But no, I tried to find myself in the movie with my buddies. And I think, I don't know, we just didn't get panned over in the audience for the main scene of the, the final spelling bee. Right, right. Yeah, that's the weird thing about being in a film is that you, especially whenever you're an extra and it's a larger group of people, like I've done a lot of that stuff and it's, you're like, wait a minute, wait, there I was for one second. Oh, wait, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it can go by really, really quick, but it was fun, right? See, it's a memory that you have forever. Um, That's awesome. Um, Okay. So the next one I have to ask you about is the volcano, of course. Please tell us what, what the heck does that even mean? How do you jump into a volcano? You know, I say technically because I was in Oregon on vacation like a while back and we hiked Crater Lake. And so we hiked all the way down to the bottom. And when you're at the top, um, at the peak of it all, and you look down, it doesn't look real. You, you're you so high up in altitude from the water that it kind of looks like it's frozen. And um, once you get down there, it's like, I've never even seen a color blue like this before. It's the deepest lake in the United States. It's, the, I think, one of the purest because they're, it's all like there's no springs coming in our but there's organisms i guess that live there that live nowhere else on the planet super weird um very deep and kind of eerie and i jumped in off of this ledge and uh, no one told me or i guess i didn't consider how cold the water would be because we were at such a high altitude but lake was a volcano that imploded and then filled with water so technically speaking i jumped into a volcano and then i almost couldn't swim back because i started to go numb from how cold the water was <laughs> it was oh. pretty silly but it was beautiful um it was a really neat experience. Okay. That sounds extremely scary. That sounds like something I would not do. Everybody'd be like, come on, Brittany. And I'd be like, no, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's amazing though. So yes, you did technically jump into a volcano. That is so cool. Um, okay. Okay. And finally, before we get into our chat, I, I would, if you don't mind sharing, I want to hear the, the, about the part of your life where you're homeless, please. I, yeah. I would love, I think that's so fascinating and I would love to, to hear all about that. Yeah, it's certainly not a woe is me kind of statement. Uh, I put it in the the you know questionnaire or whatever because it's part of what drives me. I, I take almost nothing for granted. Um, I'm annoyingly optimistic. My wife, uh, she's like, can you ever just like 
stop finding a positive solution to everything all the time. And it hasn't happened yet. And um, you know, <laughs> four years of marriage and however long of dating before that. And, um, you know, growing up that way, it wasn't anything that was my fault. It was just a situation that I was in uh, due to my parents and, um, you know, living in a car and different parking lots and motels and trying to cover that up from school and still getting dropped off where I quote unquote lived and then walking to a grocery store to do my homework. Um, you know, you, you just, you just live through it. And I never thought anything of it to be quite honest as a kid, but looking back, it's like, wow, that was really quite a bit to go through mentally, physically. Um, the social side of it was really stressful, probably more than anything. Kids are mean. Um, you know, and the, the weird things that you stand out to you and remember, like, I remember not being able to like do laundry and I remember my like, socks being like crusty, you know, from yeah. not being able to wash them. And I just thought to myself, God, I wish I could wear some clean socks. You know, and that was the thing I remember, you know, more than most other things. But it's mm-hmm. something that, um, you know, that I have a family of my own and two kids, you know, I, I'm still almost running from that a little bit that uh, I'm so motivated to make sure they never even have a, a tinge of that experience. You right. know, I didn't even go on my first vacation until I was like 15 years old. It was like to the Wisconsin Dells and I live in Wisconsin. Um, yeah. My kids have already gone to Disneyland and, and it's just or Disney right. World, don't let them call. Don't let me hear you call it Disneyland. It's Disney World. Um, so just you know, it, it definitely drives me. I am very motivated and ambitious by nature. I think a lot of it is um, you know, still feel burning from that time in my life. Right. Wow, that is amazing. So, about like what age range was that for you? Uh, it was like most of third grade. Wow. So, however old you are in third grade, yeah, I'm not that, sure. my my son is in third grade. So, wow. Yeah. Oh my goodness gracious. And then I assume things gradually improved after that. Yeah, I don't know. Um, maybe at some point, finally, when I was like old enough to go out on my own and I joined the Marines and I did all that. And then I went yeah. to school full time and I worked full time and I just have this, um, I don't know, drive that I just, yeah. it's a gift and a curse. I can't stop and I keep doing more stuff and it's kind of weird. Right. Um, what I do these days, but I never thought I'd be the kind of person that. You would make a certain amount of money that would even own a house that would have a car that's over a certain year model make and getting the milestones and keep going, gosh, you know, what else am I not thinking I'm capable that I'm gonna do? So right. it's neat. That is amazing. Wow. And you're I mean, I know you probably already know this, but you're <clears throat> you're it's so it's so amazing that you are able to look at it like that and to let it drive you and of course break the cycle or maybe not a cycle, but you know what I mean? Not repeat that or live that, sure. live in that yeah. way. And then of course do better with your own family. And all. I mean, you know, that's what, that's what everyone should do. But unfortunately that's not how it always goes. And <laughs> when somebody yeah, goes through, mm-hmm. yeah. So I think it's amazing that you've done that. Wow. I love that story. I hate that that happened to you, but I love that story. Thank you so much. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay, a little pivot. <laughs> let's let's um, let's get to some businessy stuff. So, if you don't mind telling the li- the listeners just in your own words, kind of about your professional journey, like what does it mean that you're a technology consultant? You also are in marketing. Just kind of give us an idea of what the heck you do. Yeah, when I got out of the Marines, I um, ended up taking a position for like some sort of company that I thought was a marketing company. I was applying when I was in Virginia for jobs back home. And I got, basically, I got discharged on a Friday and I was home on, you know, Monday. And I started a new job on Monday with some marketing agency. And it wasn't a marketing agency, but it's too young and stupid to know any different. So it was like these guys would get, 
um, product on consignment from companies like um, I don't even know. It doesn't even matter. They would have like they had a little warehouse full of all of these weird products, and then they would put them in their cars and they would drive around selling them door to door to businesses, soliciting. And they would the goal would be to come back with an empty car and get cash in hand. And so I went along in this, and I thought, well, we're going to our first meeting with a client, and we're going to talk about <laughs> I don't know what. And then I was like, wait, what is happening? And so I got stuck in that for like three months, but. I remember the lessons I learned from that were like, you know, um, get as many no's as you can because it's a numbers game and eventually you'll get to your yes. So every time someone says no, just feel excited about that and then go on to the next one and don't feel like it matters because it doesn't. And so I got really comfortable with the word no. And it was like the first person that said yes, I was like, I have this card set and it's a great thing for family around Christmas is right around the corner. And they're like, I'll take one. I was like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> And then I sold it and they gave me money. I was like, holy shit, I just sold something. I don't even understand what happened. I think I blacked out. And then I started having fun with it. I would walk into a place and like hand it to some person and then walk to the back and be like, look, the guy up there, I just talked to him. And he'd be like confused, showing it up in his hand, like what? And then I would be like, well, he got one. And then the, the, the second person that I talked to would buy it. And I go back to the first person he had possession of it. So I learned what possession does to, for people and what social uh, situations do to people. And then he would, the, the second guy or the first guy would say, well, he bought one. So I'll buy this one that I now am holding that you gave to me when you walked in. And I would clear a whole room like that. I that would, is absolutely amazing and crazy all <laughs> together. Rolled up in one. So silly. <laughs> and, and I would, you know, empty my car and go back for more. And they're like, you need to run one of these offices. We're going to send you to Florida for training. I was like, look, don't waste your time. I quit. And they're like, what? I was like, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to be the guy that's running a company of annoying people that are going to bother businesses. I'm going to go look for a big boy job. Thanks for teaching me everything about sales. Um, so I, I did. And I uh, interviewed for a web marketing company that was a PC company. Like they built um, custom built consumer computers. And in the interview, he, he said, tell me about your sales experience. And I said, well, I walked into a jewelry store and sold two boxes of binoculars once because I found out through conversation that the guy ran some sort of hunting club thing for whatever it was at the time. This was a long time ago. It was like 2008 or something, 2007, eight. And, uh, He's like, if you can sell binoculars to a jewelry store owner, you can sell computers and websites. So you can start. You know, <laughs> That's and impressive that you thought to say that, you know, that you've done that to get that job. That's so cool. <laughs> it was cool. It's like, you'll make a hundred grand here. I'm like, wow, hundred grand. Like I was like making probably 20 or 30 K a year back then, you know, it's like wow. some stupid kid. Yeah. And uh, so I, I did real, really well um, learning those ropes. I learned, you know, it was all about the bottom line and profitability and nothing mattered unless our clients made money. Um, all of the fluff of numbers and marketing and validating this and the other thing it was jettisoned. Like you need to make our clients make money and however you can figure that out to do that. Um, so we sold a lot of SEO and it was very effective. We were super successful at that and people would increase their budget and increase their budget and increase their budget. And as a result, I made a percentage, it was a hundred percent commission. I made, um, at the time, 21% of gross profit and I set my margins and, uh, I spent all that money traveling and drinking and being, uh, you know, a young man. And, uh, it was, you know, hindsight's 2020. 20. I should have banked a lot of that. I'd be in a much stronger position now, but, um, but did you have fun? <laughs> it was hard. It was stressful, though. I didn't eat unless I killed, so to speak. And uh, But That's what I true. fell in love with was 
talking to business owners, I would talk to, you know, three to five different business owners a day and I would learn about their business, and their unique situation and doing that over almost 10 years, everything just started to make sense to me because I was living it. So then I decided to go back to school full time for business management because I thought that's what I loved. Um, well, I uh, discovered that I am not capable of statistics, economics, accounting. It just is not how my brain is wired. So I've never tried so hard, something failed so miserably. So I shifted to a communications major and then I went on to get my degree in graphic design. I was a team lead for web design projects and I uh, engaged with graphic designers a lot. So I wanted to take the Marine Corps model of leading from the front and learn what it was I was asking these people to do all the time. So I wasn't being such a dick to them <laughs> and like really understanding that, oh, you're not just clicking a mouse a couple of times to get to this. Here's a process. Here's how you actually do it. This is what it takes. And I could guide them and have a better result and be a better conduit between customer and, you know, programmer and developer um, and designer. And through that, I fell in love with graphic design and uh, branding for logos. I am still doing logo design by referral only. Um, it's something that I just enjoy doing. I love bringing people's ideas to life. And so that's kind of how I got into that whole business community world. Um, and then, you know, doing sales for a marketing company. We also sold a lot of radio and did a lot of branding for taglines and, and logos. And so I just soaked it all up. I, I learned everything mostly through osmosis, short of the little bit I learned from going to school for graphic design. Right. Okay, cool. Wow. That's, I love that. And I love how you're like, and I spent that money on drinking and going, yeah. Um, I, I think that a lot of people are going to feel that deeply inside. <laughs> a lot of the audience there, uh, well, it's full of entrepreneurs that, you know, they've probably been there. Um, okay. That's so cool. I love hearing all that. So let's now, let's kind of transition into the app talk because like I told you before we started recording, that's something I've never talked about on the show that I personally know nothing about. And I know, as I said, I have listeners that are just all entrepreneurs and a lot of them are um, a one woman or one man show either have zero employees or maybe a part-time assistant and um, are doing everything themselves basically, you know? So to hear a story like this about you creating an app is going to be probably incredibly helpful to some people that have some ideas and don't know what the heck to do, you know? So tell tell us, what is the deal? (laughs) I'm the kind of person that if I say something out loud, um, I hear people say things and say things and say things. And that's how I get my self-awareness. And so when I observe someone else doing something I'm doing and I get a taste of self-awareness, I go, ooh, that's what I look like when I do that. Um, we're going to train myself out of that. And so I would hear my counterpart saying, I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to go back to school. So I did. I went back to school. Um, I got my degree. And then I heard people say, I'm going to start this business. I'm going to start this business. And then they just would keep saying it and never do it. And so then I said out loud once, I'm going to build an app for this idea that I have. And then I realized I said it out loud. I'm going to have to do this now because I'm not the person that says shit and then doesn't do it. Right. So... <laughs> I stepped in it and then I had to take the next step through the muck that I put myself through. And I had an idea for an app because I'm a whitetail hunter. I'm super addicted to it. I'm a car driver because I'm always looking at fields for deer. It's oh my God. So that's my life with my husband. It. Yes. I understand the deer. I'm like, all... the road. I'm like, I got it. I know where the road is. It's oh. not going anywhere. But the deer are out there. I need to see them. Um, Everybody just so, let's clarify a whitetail hunter. A whitetail is a type of deer. This could 
this they may not know <laughs> yeah yeah deer, and that's it like I hunt whitetail and and that's like a huge part of my life um I was trying to find public land to access and hunt in my neck of the woods without having to drive very far for it and so I created a Facebook group and uh you know overnight seemingly got to 10,000 followers and then I thought you know I would do all this scouting and all this work after like conversing with people on where to go and I would get there and inevitably I'd run into an hunter and you know back then and even still now people just flash their light at you say stay away I'm here you know kind of like a beacon to say keep you know keep moving it's already occupied or I would be the person doing the flashlight saying get away I'm already here and uh it, it happens a lot and so I thought there's got to be a different way to do this. We all have phones now. Um, it's not so uncommon for people to bring a smartphone, but at one time it was. It was kind of like, well, how would I do that? Um, that's changed, obviously. And when I thought about how I was going to go about doing this, I reached out to companies unknowingly in Silicon Valley because when I would Google app development, um, that's what came up. And so I talked to some of these companies and they're like, yeah, it's going to be $150,000. I'm like, well, that's not possible there's got to be another way. And because I was a project manager, I, I just got so used to hearing things that were hurdles and I would always have to find a way through. It just didn't matter. I always had to yeah. find a way through. Um, so then I was like, okay, that's not going to work. So I said, can you refer me to anybody that maybe takes on smaller projects? And then I got referred to a company in Chicago and I eventually found something that could go for $10,000. And I was about to pull the trigger with them until I had a conversation with someone that said, have you heard of this uh, website called Elance, which is now Upwork? Um, I said, no, what's that? And he said, well, if you put out um, a request for proposal, um, then you're going to get responses back from people from other countries that do this work. And it could be really affordable, but you'd have to see. So I Googled NDA and made my own version of an NDA that's probably got you know a million holes in it. It probably couldn't hold any water. <laughs> um, and I put out what I was looking for. And I got 40 responses back from people from around the globe. I vetted most of them. The one I chose had a developer in um, or a contact in California, but he had a team in India and their going rate then was $9 per hour. So the same thing that I was told would cost me 150 grand was going to cost me five for iOS and Android. So even the 10 K then, which would have been all of my savings at the time, um, you know, I was like, well, this gives me 5,000 to play with so I can market it. So, okay, let's, let's do it. So I did it. They created an MVP for me, which stands for minimum viable product. And I put that in front of my 10,000 Facebook followers. And I thought that I would just get $10,000 overnight. And that then I would just have success and I would ride off into the sunset. And I had no clue what I was doing. That's not how it worked <laughs> at all. Um, so I thought, how can I engage with this audience? And a friend of mine at the time, I got into his car and he was listening to some radio station. I'm like, dude, what station is this? And he's like, this is a podcast. I said, well, I don't, what is a podcast? He's like, what do you mean? It's like a, it's like an internet radio show. And this was back in 2011, 12. And him and I started the Wildernet podcast. He was a super nerd. Did you say Wildernet? Yep. Nice. the net and I was the wilder and we talked about ways to leverage technology to get outdoors. Nice. Okay. And it was him and I, we did that for a while and it was fun. And then I thought, wow, why don't I just do this for my hunting community that I have? And maybe I can get some more downloads. So then was born the podcast, um, the where to hunt podcast. And that was a way for me to grow that audience. So as of today, we're at 50,000 users, which 
sounds great, but it's a pittance in contrast to what some of the big players have out there. You know, they're sure. getting 150,000 users to 250,000 users a day. Um, but they have big dollars and VC backing and stuff like that. And I have me and time's assets. So I'm out of money for that. My wife will kill me if I stick any more money in this thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I, that, that's kind of um, how I did it. So I did hire people in India. I still utilize them. And along the way, I've grabbed and secured a CTO. Now that's helping drive a lot of this technology. Um, and it's really been through social media. It's through LinkedIn that I meet these people. I met an investor on uh, LinkedIn that was going to acquire the app for $150,000. And it, it honestly fell through. It wasn't a good fit. Um, the gut reaction I had was it wasn't for me. So I pulled out of that and uh, I still believe that I can do a lot better than that. So um, I'm continuing to build. Right. Well, and um, so you guys, for the record, we, Eric and I met on LinkedIn, Um, right? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. I was about to start doubting myself there. Um, No, we did. And um, I've mentioned this before with other guests that I met on LinkedIn. I'll say it again. It's, I mean, it's, it's a great platform for, well, for a lot of things for this, but for a lot of things. And it's, it's a great, great way for a handshake. Yeah. And, and it's unique. There. It's unique to other platforms. It's different. Um, that's, it's a whole other conversation, but, um, but I would, if you don't mind, like to know, like, if you don't mind just a couple of, a couple of things that you really like about LinkedIn specifically are like, well, like you said, it led you to talking to a potential investor, right? So is it, it for you is LinkedIn about, um, the type of people, the type of users, the type of people you're able to meet through it compared to maybe a different platform, you think? Yeah, I or- think people wear a different hat there, but um, that's changed now. LinkedIn, I see people flocking to the to the space that I never would have thought I'd see on there in a hundred years, specifically deer hunters, <laughs> to be quite <laughs> honest. Uh, but it has helped me get podcast guests. So I met the investor that was going to um, acquire Where to Hunt. And just for the record, so I make sure I say what Where to Hunt is or what it does. It helps hunters identify occupied and unoccupied hunting land. And it's a one-trick pony that it does. And that's going to change a little bit as we evolve. With, Wait, say uh, that again. You're, you cut out just a little bit. Oh, it that's helps. okay. Um, it helps hunters identify occupied and unoccupied hunting land so okay. they can avoid one another and have a more successful, safer hunt. Right. So for anybody not familiar, like just as a side note, you don't want to be crowded <laughs> when you're out hunting, right? That would, mm-hmm. that would be an issue. That's so yeah. smart. So they can just say, like somebody says, for example, I'm here, or you can see somebody's already there. Like the Waze app of, of hunting. That's, That's how cool. I put that simply. Yeah. That is so cool. Okay. Okay. So anyway, the, I just, I, I would love to just hear like the LinkedIn thing. So you, the kind of things that you've seen on there that, that are positive. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. it, I reached out to um, someone that was part of the, I have a cat that's going to start meowing. I'm so sorry for this. It's cat. okay. It's fine. Uh, Welcome um, to the show. <laughs> how it goes. I might just, I'm going to let him out. He won't shut up otherwise. <laughs> it's okay. No problem. Get out of here. <laughs> I forgot he was in here sleeping. Um, <laughs> so I, I had reached out to the semester to ask if he'd be a guest on my podcast. And then um, he said, sure, you know, but like, tell me more about yourself. And then I kind of unloaded and he's like, who are you? We should talk about some other things and sure, I'll be a guest, fine, but I'm less interested in that and more interested in what you're doing. This is insane. So that was probably one of the most uh, serendipitous, uh, you know, conversations I'd ever had. And I was like, I've looked for this guy my whole life. Like, how did this finally just happen? Um, 
but it has been a good way to get guests, uh, specifically people like with um, like product companies, like some of the bigger players and brands in the space. I can see who their CMO is. And usually those are the people I can pull the strings of to say, hey, I'm the founder of, you know, where to hunt. We're a you know, GPS, GIS based app in the outdoor space. Um, we also have a podcast by the same name. It's a, a national live broadcast video show where you take calls from listeners around the country and it might be a great opportunity for you to connect with uh, new users here in the midwest and other parts of the country and be able to do some q a directly with them and give them an opportunity to connect with you and then from a personality standpoint there's also famous people <laughs> in the hunting industry yeah you know famous people in every niche i guess but access to those folks has been a lot easier too so i've um, reach out to a few folks on like the meat eater team, which is um, Steve Renello's brand and their big Netflix show. Um, you know, I, it's just more access and right. the organic reach now is incredible. I, I've never experienced the, I mean, it's just, it, it's a land grab, like get on LinkedIn and start putting something out there. You're going to be amazed at what it does for you. Yeah, you're right. The organic reach and for anybody out there not familiar with it, it's the, an example would be <clears throat> like if, if Eric posted something on LinkedIn and I liked it and commented, somebody I'm connected with that he doesn't even know and is not even connected with might see his content, might see his post because it'll say, Brittany liked this or Brittany commented on this. It's just, it's amazing. Your stuff gets seen. It's just not how the other platforms work, you know? No, so, it's not. And, and you can know when someone looked at you. So I'm like, oh, this guy from this company looked at me like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. Um, right. You know, that, that means. Yeah. Something. When someone so now I your profile. To reach out. Yeah. I've, I've liked them too. I think I said on uh, a webinar I was on last week, you know, when I was spending all my money on booze and traveling, <laughs> I would maybe want to talk to a girl or something. And I wouldn't be the creepy guy to just go walk up on uh, some girl for no reason and say some pickup line. I would wait until there was eye contact and then I would, you know, in a dorky way, say hi. Um, Really, LinkedIn to me is when someone looks at your profile, they're making eye contact, and that gives you the uh, excuse to then say hi. It might be awkward, um, but now you have the way to not be creepy and obtrusive about it. You know? Right, right, exactly. And another thing I like to mention about LinkedIn is that it, while it is a bit more profesh than mm-hmm. <laughs> the other platforms, it's not the boring kind of like resume site that it used to be. It's really not. It's definitely much more interesting these days. I know people that maybe a created an account 12 years ago and haven't been on there since might have an idea about it, but that's just not the case anymore. I mean, really it's not. Um, oh, back to the app. I have an app question. It, this might be a general question. Well, for yours and in general. So like for your app, does someone pay for it? It's free. Okay. It's free. Our goal is to just get users on it. Um, with one user, it's worthless. With two, it's exponentially better. With four, so on and so forth. So okay. with 50,000, we're, we're trying to get to 100,000. Um, I want the data imprint that people are leaving behind to inform a heat map that is created into, it's called an API that can get plugged into other bigger apps. I'm cry- trying to create, uh, I guess a quote that I fell in love with at some point was create roads, not cars. I'm trying to create something that's much bigger than just a single use case. So we're building other apps that are going to share into the same database as where to hunt. So if here's the, here's the rub. I want to have hunters be aware of outdoor recreators and outdoor recreators to be aware of hunters. 
And right now, unfortunately, even though they share some of the same goals of accessing public property for various reasons, whether that's sightseeing, birdwatching, or taking game on that property, uh, that is the common interest. But, um, you know, they don't always get along. There are two political sides of the fences. Some are left-wing, some are right-winged. So I'm not able to draw in a lot of the outdoor recreators that, you know, um, would be drawn to an app that has antlers on it. Um, and conversely, or not conversely, but similarly, once those people were to get into that app, they would have um, competing ideas with each other. So hunters might not be so thrilled that they're sharing the space with them. However, I think there's a lot to be gained from that awareness. Right now, people are flocking to state parks more than they ever have. And for example, it's turkey hunting season. Those guys are trigger happy as it is. And there's more people in the woods now off of the beaten path encroaching on those turkey hunters. And so from a safety standpoint, it would be good to know of that. Um, so what we have is this database of these 50,000 hunters. It's very easy now for us with my CTO to just build another application that is aimed at outdoor recreators. Um, so the domain, which has nothing there yet, it's just targets outside with the Y.io. Um, that is going to be aimed at hikers. And now hikers can see hunters and hunters can see hikers, but they're in their own space. They're <laughs> in an app that's native to them, but they're seeing each other, which is yeah. the awareness piece that I want to bridge. So um, that's smart. That's, you have your area, you have your area. We're not going to fight. But we can see each other, right? <clears throat> yep. And now that's something that I can keep building off of. Um, I think that market's going to be a lot easier from a growth standpoint. Hunters are very passionate, visceral folks. Um, you know, and it's a very small marketing contrast to the people that are just out to go hiking and camping and things. But where the real problem is when I tried to advertise my app last hunting season, for example, I had a picture of, uh, of a hunter with a rifle on his shoulder with a strap walking into the woods. And, you know, he's wearing camel camouflage with some blaze orange vests and the gun over the shoulder. And when I hit promote to the demographic that I had created, the ad audience, it got denied. And then I had to dig into this and figure out, well, why is this getting denied? It's getting denied because Facebook and Instagram and TikTok are saying, no, we're not going to use imagery of scopes, sights, optics, guns, gun cases, bullets, etc., arrows. So I was like, well, this is a challenge because this is how I've reached my demographic. I could pick my audience and hit, hit that target. No problem. I would get, you know, all of these downloads off the back of a small Facebook ad. Um, so then I started buying Instagram pages which is the thing you can do. Three books, never Wait, I'm the sorry, difference. you cut up again. You started buying what? Buying Instagram pages. Okay, gotcha. So there's a book I read called Never Split the Difference. It's written by Chris Voss. He's a hostage negotiator for the FBI and he partnered up with Harvard and he talked about how you can negotiate. So then I, I started to um, flex that muscle there and negotiate with Instagram page owners to buy their Instagram page. <laughs> so now I get one, one and a half million views per month through Instagram, through influencer pages that I manage. So I am a, I have a stable of influencer pages that I have the IP for. Um, and so then I just put where to hunt through that. And in doing that, I learned that these other brands are having similar struggles. There's a lot of manufacturers that manufacture sites and optics like Vortex, HHA sites, Flambo, and there's a lot of companies just here in my backyard that are going to have this issue. Um, and so what, what I'm really trying to build is a media company. So I have the podcast. I want to buy um, several podcasts across the country in different um, demographics. So hunting and camping and fishing being the three primary. I have my app, which is one app. I want to have three apps, hunting, camping, fishing. And then I want to continue to buy influencer pages 
um, through Instagram or whatever social media is hot, Facebook groups and TikTok um, influencers. <laughs> and then I can run brands through those channels and hit the demographic that they need and put them in whatever way makes the most sense. So that's the the bigger vision of what I'm now actually building and getting a lot of traction around. So um, it's evolved quite a bit from just some silly little app idea of I'm sick of running into hunters uh, to, towards really growing now. That is so interesting. You're teaching me so many things right now. Okay, so you, <clears throat> so first of all, my response on the ad thing that sucks. Like it's weird. Yeah, it's. Weird. I mean, look. It, I, you know, I, I, I get, I get it as in, I get like, okay, I'm not totally shocked <laughs> because unfortunately, uh, yes, there was a gun on the dude for your ad and I get it, blah, blah, blah. But clearly it was very clear. It's for hunting and animal. Like it's so subtle too. It wasn't I mean, like, you know, come on. It's, yeah. It's not like a gun pointing at the camera or something. It's like, so, yeah, that was a new learning last year and that, that had just come down the pipe and um, those ad dollars are, are going to have to go somewhere for these big brands and they're trying to figure that out. And there's ways around it. Like sure. I can still do it without that, but then it misses the mark. You know, you know what it's like to get an ad that speaks to you directly. It does something different when it's it more people talking to you about the thing you're doing in the area you're doing it at. And if you take one of those elements away, it just doesn't work as well. It's not as effective at converting. Right. Right. And that's what that's, that's advertising these days. I mean, it's not like before you could, you know, put a big old ad in the local newspaper or something like that. You can pretty mm-hmm. much do what you want. That's, that's wild. I, I had no, I would have never. Okay. Um, okay. So, so do you, you well, I, I know you said your app is free, but like, in general, what's the deal with that with apps? Like somebody invests money. I've always wondered this, like, is is an app never for profit really like direct from the app it depends like it really depends um you know it's not so straightforward as like how, how are you going to monetize this and where where are your revenue stream where is that going to come from um the question used to be either you're going to do that through advertisements or through some sort of pay feature whether it's buy the app or have an app purchases you know, Netflix and Disney Plus and a lot of these online services have really, in my opinion, made that hard. Not because I'm competing with Netflix. The two don't seem related, but for $5 a month or $7 a month, look at how much value Disney is giving me. I'm not going to charge somebody $7 a month to access some stupid hunting app, but they're going to have <laughs> some huge expectation of what I'm delivering. So that's not real. I have to think really long and hard about how I'm going to add significant value to them. And apps are really only come in two forms, utility and entertainment or escapism. So if I open up the home screen of anybody's phone, I'm going to get a good sense of who that person is um, just by looking at the apps that are on their homepage. And are they either A, organized in folders or not? So there's one thing I can learn about that person. And the other is what are the apps? Um, what are they into? Is it a golf app? Is it you know maps? Is it fishing and hunting prediction apps? Is it games? Um, escapism, right? So it's thinking about what you're serving that audience and then how can you tie revenue around that? So then on the revenue side for me, we're meeting people where they are, at least that's what we're building now. So if I'm, not if, I'm, I will know and I do know how far someone has hiked, of what elevation, what the temperature was, what species they were hunting. And now I can start to think of, if you've ever ran with the Nike Plus app, it'll say, congratulations on your farthest run, your quickest run, the run the hottest or coldest day. I'm going to do the same exact thing and give badges of honor 
to those people that are doing these things. And as a result, I can now deliver an ad that has a higher chance of converting because if I know they hike three miles, maybe they should get a new pair of boots or ah. socks, or if they were sweaty or cold, they might want to get some different underlayers, like 15% off of Under Armour. Right. And so there's my revenue model that makes sense for the brands because they're struggling to hit their, t- their demographic on social potentially to this audience that I have. And now I just made it more interesting. It's not even a passive ad. It's like you did this activity, here's a reward money saved on this particular product. And it just connected the dots. So data um, from other people in the industry tell me that's a 40% click through rate that I can see on an ad like that because they're doing similar things. Um, not so similar. That's the same thing, but um, you know, it, there's a lot of apps doing that type of uh, thing right now. So that revenue isn't coming from the user. That's coming from the business. Right. <clears throat> okay. Okay, cool. That's, that's cool. That's good to know. I've always wondered that about just from that perspective of an app. I'm again, like I said, I know nothing about this. Um, so what, before I let you go, I want to make sure that I give you a chance to just kind of speak on this to someone that that's listening that might be interested in or is interested in in creating an app or has a great idea. I mean, do you have any like warnings or any top tips or any, you know, anything that really stands out that would be truly valuable to somebody? Yeah. Um, audit your audience, interview people. If you have an idea, interview people. I listen to the How I Built This podcast and the Masters of Scale podcast quite a bit. And I remember the interview, I forget the gal's name, but the gal that started um, Stitch Fix, which is the yeah. online clothing, ta- custom tailored clothes that are delivered to your door with unique styling, et cetera. Right. Her story went something like she asked friends if they would want her to pick out their outfits because she always had such great style. So she took out like, I think a $5,000 credit card, went to a, um, like a TJ Maxx type store, spent all of that money on clothes and then selected the outfits, got in a taxi cab in New York with no money in her pocket, and then went to the friends and family's houses and said, here, these are the outfits that I picked for you. Do you want them? And once they paid for them, she didn't make any money off of it. She just covered her costs and then returned everything else, got her money refunded back to her card and just kept doing that over and over and over again. So it's doing things that aren't scalable, but you can find ways to validate some sort of app or idea before spending all this money to build it. Um, for me, I interviewed all as many people as I possibly could on the 10,000 people I had on my Facebook page to see if they would even like the idea. And people didn't like the idea. It was like, it was pretty torn. It was literally, I love this or I absolutely hate this. I would never share my spot. Oh my God, I would love to see where other people are. Um, okay. That visceral response is enough for me to say I'm on to something because if it was lukewarm, I would have thought, well, then no one cares either way. Um, and I don't mind pissing people off. So I, I had no issue with that because I could see the right good in the vision that I had. Um, you know, find ways to leverage like Google Forms or Google Sheets and collect what you can. A friend of mine here in Wisconsin started a, a company called Field to Freezer, which he would built for two years before he ever did anything with it. And all he did for two years was catalog meat processors. And he added 2000 of them to an Excel spreadsheet. And then he built a database. And once he had that database, then he started to say, hey, Mr. Hunter, um, I have this database of meat processors and now he's doing this whole QR code thing and helping people understand what they're going to spend. So wow. 
you can do a lot before you do anything kind right. of is what I'm saying. If that even makes sense. My, yeah, you want to ask people if they like it or not and you need to be prepared because yeah. some people are not going to like it. Like yeah. bottom line, it's going to be okay. Cause not everybody's yeah. going to love it. <laughs> and there's, there's a certain feeling of like secretive, like I don't want to share because someone's going to steal it. Yes. Yes. There is that. For that. But at some, at some point, like, Gary V says, you know, when I was in, he said when he was in high school, he had a pimple on his face and he was so worried about it. But then he's like, well, so did everyone else. And they're all worried about their own pimple. Like everyone's worried <laughs> about their own shit and everyone has their own stuff going on. Like people share ideas all the time. I'm like, look, I ain't got time for any other idea. You can tell me anything you want. And believe me, I do yep. not give a shit about your idea. Right. So well, and I, another, another thing on that topic is that when it comes to sharing something that you think is secretive or you don't want somebody mm. to copy or whatever, it's like, they're probably not going to fucking bother. Like, right. I mean, come on. Like yeah. they really they do, you know, that <laughs> it happens. There, there are bad eggs out there. It's something that you could be semi-cautious about, but use your, you know, feel it out. Like, um, do they have the means? Do they, do they think that do you think they carry in a similar space to you? Like, right. I overshare, I'm over transparent. I will probably <laughs> get burned by that at some point, but it's served me well so far. And I continue to help others, you know, where I can, my recipe has been consistency, um, builds momentum and momentum creates opportunity. And that's a flywheel effect. So I keep being consistent. I keep, and that keeps building momentum. And then that keeps creating more and more opportunities. And I just keep spinning that wheel over and over every day and the sparks keep flying and fires keep starting. So, um, that's how I've driven a lot of what I've done over the last few years with all of this stuff. Right. But starting, starting with something, just Think about the tools you can use right now. There's enough technology out there to do things. Even making a process easier, you could go to zapier.com and do zaps for people and figure out how you can make a process easier or connect the dots for something. Like you wouldn't believe how many niche, weird, random ideas. I'm like, what? And you could spend a lot of time. There's a website called producthunt.com. It's out of Silicon Valley, uh, very closely related to Y Combinator, which is one of the you know country's best. Uh, accelerator programs. So you can just scroll through that and start to, you know, get an idea of what else is out there. Maybe, oh, well, I could do it this way or I could do that. Some girl um, was correcting people's papers just for grammar. So not Grammarly, but she was just taking as many <laughs> as she could. She was doing hundreds of them. And then eventually it turned into an app. Amazing. And she hired people to do that. And now she just corrects papers for people. And that's right. it. Like, do the unscalable first and then you can do more with that. Right. Okay. So, and this kind of relates to something you said earlier, <clears throat> excuse me, and something that you and I ha- seem to have in common is, is executing, is taking action, is actually doing what we said we were going to do. I mean, for the most part, I guess nobody's perfect. You know, I've had mm-hmm. my screw ups here or there, but for the most part, that's how I am. That's a, how you say you are. What do you think? Do you think that that's something natural within you? Do you think that if somebody doesn't naturally do that, doesn't normally follow through or take action, that there's a way they can improve on that or correct that? Like, can you speak on that a little bit? I think that's so fascinating. That's a tough one. I <laughs> Sorry to drop it on you. <laughs> no, it's tough because I don't have the answer. I don't know. I, people are like, Eric, you need to talk to this person. They could use whatever mojo or moxie you have. And I'm like, but I don't know. I don't understand well enough what makes me go to communicate that to other people. I don't know yeah. if that is the childhood upbringing, the whole, like, I don't know where it comes from. Um, but I get into my ruts too. I I'll get in a rut and I'll just not do anything like, sure. um, but eventually I, you know, I wake up from it and I go really hard at something. So it's seasonal to a degree. Um, don't be afraid to put yourself out there. Like, again, no one like 
uh, one of the guys actually in the outdoor space, his name is Cameron Haynes. Uh, My husband is a humongous fan of Cameron Haynes. (laughs) I know all about Cameron. I bought Cameron shit for his birthdays. I got Cameron to sign shit for Ryan. Like it's, I understand. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. You just say, all he says is like, no one cares, work harder. Like no one cares. No one cares about what I'm talking about today in this show. And like some people might listen and that's great. But no if one it cares. helps no one them, cares. they care. <laughs> they care a little bit and then they'll care for like, is, you know, like, does anyone remember the oil spill that happened from BP in the ocean that like killed all these animals? Like don't fast people forget about shit. Like no one cares anymore. It, it's done. Like it, people have such a short attention span. So just remember that like no one really cares. You need to self-satisfy. You need to like make yeah. your own bucket hole before you can make anyone else's bucket hole. And I, I'm even like, I follow Gary Vaynerchuk. I followed him so long. I met him like a year ago and it was amazing. And to, to hear what he says every day about this stuff, much louder than I ever will. Um, go listen to Gary V for a little bit. I treat him like my unspoken boss. Yeah. You know, like, um, I don't know. I don't It's a hard, it's a hard I, I, I love Gary V too. And I feel, I, I tell my husband Ryan this all the time and I know he's very nice. He's like, okay, babe, he's very supportive, but you know, I'll be like, I feel, I know that this is the point and this is why he's so good at what he does, but I feel so connected to him. I feel like we're like, he's, he's a dude. I'm not, he, we're not the same age, but I feel like, like I, because he's able to get that content out there and I totally get it. I'm like, yep, Mm -hmm. same. I agree. It's really, really powerful. But like to speak on what you were saying earlier about nobody cares, that's another reason why somebody that's creating something to go online or to be an app or whatever it is, is like, you really really do have to think about what is it going to do for the user or for the audience member? Because it's not because people are all assholes. Some people are, but it's not, it's not always about that. It's like you said, people are busy. There's stuff going on in their own life. They're worried about their own pimple on their face. So Mm -hmm. keep that in mind when you're creating something and how it can help others. Right. So conversely, like I, um, this is what I say when I do logo design for people. The first thing I say when I sit down through discovery, I say, here's the thing. Your logo is going to be the most important thing you have for your business, but it also doesn't effing matter one tiny bit. <laughs> and I said, I know that sounds really confusing because <laughs> if you have the chops to back it up, it doesn't matter. Do you know what Nike's name was going to be? Well, first of all, Nike's name was uh, Blue Ribbon Sports. Oh. Mm. And then they wanted to name it, um, oh gosh, something terrible like... Uh, Oh my God, I can't even think about it. Like the, but the, the book that was written by um, the founder of Nike, it was a very long book. He, he talked about the whole branding thing. And it's just funny that like it was this last minute decision. I'm so sorry. I'm not thinking what the hell he wanted to call it. It was like Delu- Delusion 8 or something like that. Or like <laughs> Dimension, it was Dimension 8. Oh and, no. <laughs> and, and, and he's like, yeah, I want to call it Dimension 8. He's like, really? No one thinks it's a good idea? And they eventually had a couple other names too. It was all animal names like cheetah and weird shit like that. And <laughs> it, it doesn't matter until it matters. Right. Yeah. So I think people don't care at all. And I say, no one cares work harder, but the people that do care will care. You know, yeah. anytime I stop producing my podcast, which is never anymore. Um, I so consistent with it, but when I would stop every now and again, periodically back in the day, I would get people messaging me like, dude, what happened to the podcast? I'm like, what? I didn't know anyone was listening. <laughs> I, got that. I didn't know anyone cared. I just assumed no one cared. And then it turns out that people do care. So um, don't let someone caring stop you because the people that yeah. do care need you. So whatever it is you're going to go do, try to find a way to go do that. Right. Okay. I think that's a good place to stop. 
Um, thank you. I love everything we talked about. I learned a lot. I know the listeners learned a lot. I would love before we go for you to tell everybody where they can find you if they want to get connected with you on social media or to go to your website, of course, to get the app, all that stuff. Can you plug away? Yeah. Um, I would say where to hunt app.com is where you're going to find everything about the app that I talked about. Also the podcast lives there. Um, you know, for the base layer media stuff, that's really the graphic design shop and some of the media things that I'm putting people through for like some of the brands through the pages that I own and things like that. That's the parent of that. Um, my day job is Swick Tech, which is uh, Swick Technologies out of New Berlin, Wisconsin. So we do IT consulting and, um, you know, support for businesses. We act as IT as a service, so to speak, or like we'll be your IT department. Um, that's my day job. So I have to plug that one for sure. Good people, good company, great leadership. And uh, yeah, connect with me on LinkedIn. I would love to chat with anybody. I've been doing weekly coffee and chit chats. So I'd love to continue doing that even through, you know, we come out of the emergence of Corona. I'm happy to continue to talk to folks. Okay, great. So look, look him up on LinkedIn, you guys. Um, all right, Eric, that's it. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it a lot. Yeah, thank you very much. All right. All right. Thank you so much again to Eric Clark for chatting with me and taking the time. I know everybody's time is so valuable, including yours, Eric. So thanks again. I really appreciate it. You guys, I hope you loved that chat with Eric. He had so much cool stuff to say. I love it whenever he had to um, get his cat out of the room. <laughs> I mean, you know, hey, this is this is real life, right? We got, we got pets and kids all up in our houses all the time. Um, anyway, I hope you guys liked that. I really enjoyed that. I got a lot of good information from Eric myself. I want to remind you before we go today to go and sign up for the course. Go to brittanycrossin.com slash smallbizsocialschool. Okay, brittanycrossin.com slash smallbizsocialschool. And I will also have the link in the show notes. And you can find the link in my bio on Instagram and Facebook and all of the places, right? <laughs> so go grab the course. It's only $38 and it will only be open for a limited time. And don't forget that the membership is coming because you know you guys were so excited. I heard all that applause earlier <laughs> that the membership is opening on July 14th. You guys, how freaking cool is that? We're going to have a really great time in that group. Definitely do it. Be in the in crowd. Join the membership. So uh, stay tuned for details on how you can join. As for me, I need to go. I got to go now, you guys. You know, I've got more work to do. I've got children to take care of. I have wine to drink, you know the life. I'm living the life and I'm loving it. And I'm so thankful for you guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for coming back again and again. Find me on social media, Brittany Crossen, B-R-I-T-N-E-Y-C-R-O-S-S-O-N. Find me, find me on Instagram, find me on Facebook, be my friend, like follow me, follow Brittany Crossen social media consultant, my page on social, on, on Facebook, but also send me a friend request, send me a message. I would love to be your Facebook friend <laughs> and definitely find me on TikTok where I'm rocking and rolling all the time, whether it's on a treadmill or not, having a great time on TikTok, you guys. That's it. Thanks for listening to the show today, you guys. I'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening to today's show, y'all. For more information about the podcast, go to socialsunshinepodcast.com and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and subscribe to the Social Sunshine Podcast YouTube channel. For more information about me, go to brittanycrossin.com and connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, and TikTok. The Social Sunshine Podcast is a Fun Love Media production, funlovemedia.com.
Bye. <laughs>